You are listening to Spot On, a health and wellness podcast that breaks through the latest media headlines to provide you with accurate and usable information that is, well, spot on, spot on to meet your needs. I am your host, Dr. Joan Salji-Blake, a nutrition professor at Boston University and the author of the college textbook called Nutrition and You, which is used in colleges across the United States and abroad. Hello, Spot On listeners. Again, we have another episode that is startling to me, but such good information. Let me tell you how I decided to have this episode. So I was reading an article in Today's Dietitian that really upset me. And the article said that, you know, according to the USDA, one in three college students are food insecure. Let's put some numbers that. So we're talking about 20 million college students in universities or colleges across the United States. More than 6 million of them are studying on an empty stomach. And you probably in some time experience where, you know, maybe you got up late for a class and you didn't eat. And in the middle of the lecture, you're getting hungry and you can't concentrate. And you're really just not really totally comprehending everything that's going on. You know, this is like mind boggling to me that this is so prevalent that we have so many college students that are food insecure. So let's go to the street and find out. Do you know maybe a classmate that actually, you know, skipped a meal because they couldn't afford to buy food. I personally don't know anyone who has skipped a meal to save money, but I do think it is a possible scenario because if there's a larger amount of purchase that you would like to make and you do not have enough budget, some people might choose to skip a meal to save this amount of money. I know um, several people at BU who have skipped a meal to save money because they feel like they should spend that money on something else because eating is not necessary. They'd rather eat one meal a day and then spend that money on maybe like textbooks and stuff. I had a friend who was really bad with planning and so whenever he got some money he would just spend most of them right away and that means he was usually broke at the end of the month. One time he had like, I think, $5 left when there was still a week until his next payday and he was embarrassed so he didn't want to borrow money from anyone. Um, so he skipped like a bunch of meals to get through that week with just $5. How many times do you see uh, food being wasted on campus or in restaurants? People just you know leave stuff on their trays and things. So I said, that's it. We're going to talk about this and bring it to attention and figure out how we can fix this problem. I contacted the author who wrote the article on Spot On, and luckily she was so gracious to come on. So today we have Dr. Laura Frank. She's an associate professor in the Department of Urban Public Health and Nutrition at LaSalle University, and that's in Philadelphia. And she's been teaching nutrition for decades, but really what her passion is, her research advocacy, focuses on this whole issue of the assessment of college and university food insecurity. And I'm embarrassed that she's been, probably been doing this forever and I'm just finding out about it. And what she's done is not only just research it, but she's doing something about it. Today, I want to Welcome, Dr. Laura Frank, for being on Spot On. Hello, thanks for having me on your podcast. Well, great. I'm glad that you're here. So can you help me a little bit and help our listeners? Let's start from the very beginning. What is 
food insecurity. Okay. I want to first make a point. A lot of people think that food insecurity is the same as hunger. And it's not necessarily the hunger is more like you feel like you need to eat something because your stomach's growling. Food insecurity is something that isn't in a moment. It's something that's happening all the time, that on a regular basis, you don't have access to enough food that's appropriate for you, healthy for you to live an active, healthy life, to do the things that you want to do. You can't do it well because you don't have food all the time. In fact, sometimes you wonder, where's your next meal going to come from? That's interesting. And thank you for explaining the difference between the two. And why are college students at risk for being food insecure? In the old days, uh, people used to think college students were people who were from privileged families who could afford to send them off and pay for all their expenses. And they're just kids dependent on their parents. But that's not the way it is these days. Most students are not elite people who are being supported. Many of them don't have financial resources. The resources of families have continued to go down as families' income has gone down. Financial aid has not kept pace. So a lot of students come to college with really minimal resources to begin with. And then they're trying to work and find other sources of income to just keep themselves afloat. It's not financially easy to be a college student for most people. And once you realize how little aid is available compared to the need, you can see why it adds up to a real risk for not having enough money to get the food that you need. I read in the article that it kind of like a light bulb went off in my head. Uh, they said, okay, so, so some college students may get financial aid, but the aid is for tuition, you know, and, and maybe board, maybe. But we're talking books, we're talking food. That wasn't calculated in the aid package. I didn't even realize that. And they still could be working and still not have enough money for food, correct? Oh, yeah. The majority of college students are actually working. Many of them are working full-time while they're trying to be college students. So you have students who may rush to school from their job. A lot of students have kids themselves that they're supporting or they're helping to support their parents. There's just, there's so many financial stresses on today's college students. Right. And you know, uh, that's interesting what you said that they could be married and have children and they could be over the age of 26. And, and that number 26 is, is um, you know, stressful to me because I had, I've had children with the same issue that once they turn 26, they're not on their parents' insurance policy anymore. So they have to work to make sure they have insurance. And you're, you're saying they could be working probably full-time to get that benefit and still having to, you know, pay their rent and pay tuition or books or whatever. And so it sounds like food may be the end of the, the list of things to buy. Well, it's a survival need, but sometimes you don't have enough to get what you need to be healthy. Sometimes uh, when you're trying to afford food, other things take a backseat, like buying your textbooks, for example, uh, which can really be a detriment when you're trying to do well in your classes. You don't have access to the same resources that 
other students have. How does being food insecure, chronically uh, food insecure, not having enough, affect academic performance? Well, when your intro, you mentioned something that I've observed in some of my own classrooms. I, I used to, before I understood food insecurity, blame students who were having trouble paying attention, focusing, even falling asleep in my class. I'd say, oh, you were up partying. But then I started to realize that there were a lot of students in classes who were probably hungry or they are having low blood sugar because they hadn't eaten recently. So just being in the classroom, it makes it very hard to really use your brain and be engaged. So that's the, the first part. But the other part is if you're financially insecure, you probably are juggling a lot of work and other responsibilities, which takes away your time to be this uh, you know, stereotypical carefree college student. It can keep you from being engaged in activities on campus that might help you to be more prepared to network and get your career going when you go from college into the work world. People can end up dropping classes because they just can't handle it because of their work schedule or they're just, they don't have the energy it just limits so much what you can get out of that whole college experience if you don't have regular access to enough food to just be a healthy person. You had a, a, a study in this article, and I, I was shocked. It said more than half of the students who reported receiving Ds and Fs in class were also identified as being food insecure. So, I mean, there you go. I mean, it's affecting your GPA. It's affecting your ability. And here you are trying to go to college to get, you know, maybe a, a better job, a better career choice. And the fact that you're not having enough food so that you can take full advantage of what you just said of the whole environment, the learning environment, seems like uh, it's not that you're throwing your money away. You're not utilizing how, how much you're spending on college. You're not utilizing getting everything you as you mentioned, out of it. Another thing I read in this article that I was not aware of, there's actually like an organization. It's called the College and University Food Bank Alliance. I, I had no idea that this existed. And it and obviously, if there's an organization, this is a real problem. So what is this organization? It's, an, as it says, an alliance of colleges all around the country that either have an existing food pantry or they are in the process of trying to get one going. And there's strength in numbers. There's also knowledge in numbers. This organization has a lot of resources on their website that help people who are trying to get together food resources to figure out how to do it well. They have all kinds of you know, templates for how you set up your food pantry. They have links to all kinds of informational resources. It's a tremendous nationwide support network. Over 700 institutions putting their heads and their resources together to try to solve this problem of college food insecurity. See, that's good. We're going to put a link on the spot on a Facebook page to this um, Food Bank Alliance. If you're uh, listening and you're a student or an administrator or a professor and you're seeing this at your, your campus, you know, let's not reinvent the wheel. Let's go look at what's already being done and what, what can work. And, you know, uh, students are, are good. Students are, can, really, can be advocate for this and demand 
What is being done? Bring awareness to the administration. I know here at Boston University, uh, we have something called Terry a Meal Share, where like if you don't use all your meal points or whatever, you can share it. We also have, we also have a food pantry here. How can students that like, get involved? What can they do? There are student organizations on our campus that are doing things like uh, fundraising and collecting donations to contribute to our food resource, which is called the Basket. When I set up the expanded basket, students were absolutely key in planning it. I spent a lot of time doing focus groups and doing surveys, finding out what students wanted in a food resource like this. And I actually had a group of marketing students work with me on designing a logo and designing an an information campaign they were hugely helpful in getting the word out in a way that made sense to students and made it seem appealing. I have student workers, I have work-study students who work in the basket. um, And not only is that helping them because it gives them a job, but it also makes it more of a a student-run thing. I mean, I oversee it, but the students are doing it. And students also are involved in developing food rescue around campus. We have a lot of things that our students engage in. So we got something on campus, and I've noticed this in my own town because, you know, right now food insecurity in your neighborhood is high, not even on campus. The whole world is a little cuckoo right now. And I've noticed that the use of my town pantry, food pantry, is is up. And there are barriers to using it. So what would be some of the barriers that, you know, make a student not want to use it, even though a student may need it? And how do we kind of get rid of that barrier? Well, that that's a really important question. And that was one of the things that I spent a lot of time talking with students about in these focus groups and in the surveys. And it's backed up by other people's research that the, the biggest barrier is students feeling uncomfortable about using the resource. So a student will say, well, I missed a meal once in a while. I mean, but, you know, other people are worse off. I don't really need a food pantry, or I'd be embarrassed to go and ask for help. I don't want anybody to know that I I need food. So this this really self-imposed barrier, that's the biggest barrier. Other barriers are things like, well, is it scheduled to be open when I can actually get there? Um, You know, physical barriers, which I also set things up according to what the students told me. But bottom line really is, do I give myself permission to get access to this resource? And there, we did a lot of things to address that. One is that this is not set up as, oh, if you're in need, you can come to the basket. It's more, this is a service that LaSalle University provides for any student who in the moment wants to get some food, whether you need to get a whole bag of groceries to feed your family or you didn't get lunch in time and you just need to grab a granola bar or something to you know keep you going through the lecture. It's for everybody and you don't have to show that you're in need. You don't have to. It's, it's just if you want food at that time, go get it. 
That's the point. And that's customer service is, is a really important orientation in when I train students in the basket. You're welcoming people to the basket to come and use something that's here because you're a student at LaSalle. Period. I love that. I'm vi- I'm visualizing in my head what it looks like. It looks like in my mother's kitchen. You know, like you come home and you open up the thing and the food is there because your mother always just miraculously got it there. So it's just like, come on in. Want to want you know, got to run to class? Go eat something. Go and you, and there's if everybody uses it like that, then there the stigma is gone. And if you feel that, gee, I'm using it because this week I'm short. And a couple of weeks from now, um, I have a little excess. You can donate food to the pantry. Yeah. And so this way you, you feel like it's, it's you know, it's a communal kind of snack place, a communal food place. I know here at BU, you can get online and you can shop online and then just pick up the groceries at a certain time and get no questions answered and the same thing. So first of all, I love the name Basket. That's a great name for you know, the pantry at LaSalle University. But how long has it it's been in, you know, existence? The Basket originated about eight years ago. And it was really, it started out almost like a big walk-in closet in uh, in the campus ministries area. But a couple years ago, I was able to get a large grant from a local foundation, the Leo and Peggy Pierce Foundation, to go down into our foods lab, because of course we're a nutrition program, we have a foods lab, and convert part of that foods lab area into an expanded pantry that had really nice shelves and it was really easy to come in and shop in and also had access to the freezers and refrigerators that were built into our foods lab. That allowed us to then form a partnership through our local Feeding America affiliate with a grocery store right in our neighborhood. And we were able to start accepting donations of fresh food from them, baked goods, produce, meat, poultry, fish, uh, all kinds of stuff. So we can give the whole gamut of food And at the same time, we're rescuing food that would otherwise be tossed by the supermarket. It's perfectly good, but maybe it's too close to its expiration date, something like that. So now we're a full service food pantry because we had this resource and then we have all these partnerships and it is a village (laughs) behind this resource. We were serving over a hundred students a week which is not bad because we only have about 5,000 on our campus. So uh, it was reaching a lot of people. And you know, uh, what you said about, and you're a smart cookie about uh, using the food lab because it had all the refrigerator and freezer space. But again, if someone thinking about planning this or starting this, you don't have to start grand. You can start in a closet like you started. But but I bet that, that college and university food bank alliance would give you, you know, tips and how to um, get that kind of equipment, how to reach out to your local restaurants and, and get a grant and, and food companies to, um, you know, um, help support a, a food pantry to, to get it stacked. You know, um, something that I was not aware of, and again, I'm embarrassed to tell you this, but what, what, what else is new? But I did not know that college students were eligible for SNAP. And can you please explain to the listeners what is SNAP? It's a federal program. It used to be called food stamps, but it's now called Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. That's SNAP. And it's 
designed to provide food resources to people who are low income. So there's an income qualifier before you're eligible for it. Um, yes and no about students being able to access this. And this is a problem. And I think it traces back to what I was saying earlier about the this stereotype that college students are supported by their parents. They don't really need a lot of help. College students in two-year institutions that are career-focused are now eligible for SNAP if they qualify otherwise. Students at four-year institutions mostly are not eligible. And grad students, forget about it. I actually tried to qualify for SNAP when I was a grad student because I was just living off of my stipend and living in a food desert. But I was just told, no, I'm sorry, you're just not eligible. Um, so we need to really advocate for the government to change SNAP eligibility requirements so that all college students are able to access this because it's really important to be able to have this consistent source of income that helps you to buy food. And it's not food stamps anymore. You get a, a, a debit card loaded with the amount that you're eligible for, and you just use that like any debit card in a supermarket or any food store. Right. So rather than having the food stamp, which is like monopoly money, you know, it was... Um and had that stigma, they put it on a debit card. or And so you, who knows when you're going through the, the uh, checkout, you know, you're just, everybody's paying with a credit card. So we removed that stigma. Now we just have to work with the government to expand it so everybody can enjoy that. You know, we're talking about food insecurity and something that's a passion of mine, and I know it's a passion of yours too, is food waste. And, and you know, when I, I look at, you know, sometimes we'll have a meeting and, uh, you know, uh, and they, you know, they order food or something at the meeting and there's all these leftover sandwiches. And, and I'm like, I tell all the students, open up your backpack, hurry up, take it home, put it in your refrigerator. I'm not, you know, I'm, we're not wasting this food because I'm crazy about food waste. But how does food waste play into this? Because this is a big problem. And, uh, you know, if we stop wasting food in this country, no one would be food insecure. If we just kind of like redirect it, recycle it and gave it to those who needed it. So can you talk a little bit about how food waste plays a role in this? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And and I certainly don't have to tell you that about 40% of the edible food in this country gets thrown out. I'm not talking about stuff that's, you know, gone moldy or whatever. It's, it's perfectly edible. And at the same time, we have all these people who don't have enough to eat. It just, it, it drives me crazy to see good food getting thrown out when I know people would love to eat it. So one of the things that I mentioned earlier is that we have this partnership with the grocery store where we get their donations and then it goes to students instead of being thrown out. But what you also just mentioned about the leftover food at campus events, that really bothered me too. So I was able to use our electronic course management system. We do Canvas, but anything like Blackboard, uh, Moodle, all those, you can set up a course, <laughs> like a fake course, and have people sign on to receive and post announcements when there's food left over around the campus after events. So we instituted that at LaSalle. It's called Free Food on Campus. <laughs> you know, pretty obvious what that's all about. And we have a lot of 
staff and faculty members, whenever there was an event and there's food left over, they'd be able to go on and post an announcement in real time that would go straight to students' phones who had signed up and they could just run and, and get the food. And uh, we stopped wasting most of the food after events on campus after that. I can hardly wait for this pandemic to be over so we can go back to doing free food on campus again. Dr. Laura, that is brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. And because, you know, I, I'm crazy about this, so I encourage my students to take it, but not everybody un- understands this. But if it's just on a, a central website and the kids can, like, like, a, like a light bulb goes off and they run and get it, that is absolutely brilliant. I'm taking notes here, and we're going to start that one here at Boston University because that's great. So if you, you've had three tips to give people that are listening, whether it's, um, you know, administrators, faculties, parents or students or soon-to-be college students, if, it, if you want to get involved with this, what, what can they do? Because I think this is something that um, if people, uh, once people understand this, this is to me uh, a, not an easy fix. There's, a work, there's work to be done, but it can be fixed. So what, what, what three things could the listener do to help this out? Well, my first thing, and I've referred to this a few times, is Basically, take the time to plan, but at the same time, start taking some baby steps that'll raise awareness. I mean, we did some explorer cafes, what we call them, explorers are a mascot, where we do little brief presentations and engage the community and educate people about how big of a problem it was and what people could do. So secondly, we talked about all those barriers that can keep people from using the resource by doing all this educating and engaging students and having students take ownership of it, be so much a part of it, and pair it up with this idea of environmental activism and economic activism along with social justice activism. Well, Dr. Laura Frank, first of all, I want to thank you for writing this article. We're going to put uh, Dr. Laura Frank's article that she wrote up on the uh, spot on Facebook page so that you can read and other resources that we spoke about here on the episode. And And I can't thank you enough for coming on and telling us about this. And but more importantly, just let's not talk about it. Talking about things, what we can do to fix the problem. And this is fixable. We just got to all get together and make it work. So with that, thank you, Dr. Laura Frank, for being on Spot On. Thank you for having me and giving me a chance to talk about something that is so important to me and so many other people. Spot On is supported by the Boston University Sargent College's Master of Science degree in Nutrition program. Log on to bu.edu to learn more about this fabulous nutrition graduate program. Thank you for listening to Spot On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This way you'll get every new episode every week. And by the way, leave us a nice review. And can you also like us on our Spot On Facebook page and suggest topics for future episodes? Please follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Blake. And oh, by the way, can you send this episode to five of your friends? Do I ask a lot of you?